John Panos, John McGrath, Troy Malcolm, and welcome to episode 194. Yeah, we're getting close to the double century. Don Bradman's territory here. Yeah, so, so John, just before we came on air, Troy Malcolm said, <laughs> do you realise that at 200, John's taking us out for lunch? Out of curiosity, uh, I think John. he said John and Tom, but keep going. <laughs> Uh, feel, feel free. I'm okay, okay, all right. John, I mean, if, the, the, if you the were, amount of funds we bring in from this podcast, surely we can afford, you know, no names or something. Well, <laughs> I'd like to ask you, John and Troy, out of every meal, Vietnamese, Japanese, mm -hmm. a nice steak, if you had to pick one uh, kind of restaurant food. Don't give me the name of the restaurant, just give me, what would you pick? If you were going to go out on a special treat and you hadn't had this food for a while, what would you pick? What's your favourite? You know, the best restaurant that I know, and I will give you the name of it because there's no reason why not to, there's a restaurant in the city of Sydney called, I think it's One Bent Street. It's yeah. run by a guy called Mike McInerney, who used to be Kitchen by Mike. Yep. He's a real foodie, Troy, and i got to say, I mean, what would you describe the food there, Tom? I would describe it as healthy comfort food. I'm not sure, most people would probably call it modern Australian. But I gotta tell you, if you're a listener and you ever pass through Sydney or live in Sydney, get to One Bent Street. It is amazing food. What have you, what you give me an example, what have you had there? Well, oh, what? when you go, it's one of these share plate things where normally you don't have just a meal for yourself, you then get four or five dishes. And you know, we just order this Spanakopita from your yeah. Uh, yep. fine country of for those For those of Greek origin, Spanakopita. Spanakopita. <laughs> Um, there's beautiful chicken, they have beautiful um, beef or steak that's, you know, they, they, they cut up and then, you know, you share on the plate. It's just comfort, what I call comfort food. It's not fancy, but it's organic produce. Um, he's a real foodie, so it's cooked beautifully. And I just think, you know, I'm, I'm, a very, I'm a person of simple taste. I go to those restaurants where I look at the menu and there's all these tricky things and tricky sauces and, you know, offal type and I just think, you know, just kind of give me some chicken or some beef. John, have you, have you uh, latched onto Uber Eats yet? Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> I have. Unfortunately, Riverino Gelato is, is uh, not far, and it's at the top of the Uber Eats and Deliveroo. Uh, you know, they're equally as sinnable. <laughs> Tro Troisy, can I ask you, um, best food that you'd pick? Uh, I'll go restaurant as well. I'm, I'm a big Italian fan or Mexican, but my favourite restaurant in Sydney is Pendolino. Mm. Uh, the top of the Strand Arcade. Very good. Amazing, amazing. Handmade ravioli as the entree is... So you love pasta? Yep. You've never had a problem, you eat plenty of carbs? <laughs> There's obviously a problem, but... <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> right, okay. Pe I love it. It's interesting. Have you been there, Tom? I haven't. So it's the top floor of the Strand Arcade. The most Sorry, I have. Yes, I have. Yeah. The most unlikely location for very, a very dark inside, isn't it? Very dark, yeah. and the food is spectacular, but you sit one centimetre away from the person next to you, which is fine if you're in a table of six, but when you're sitting there, just two people, and then next to you, one inch away, to the right and the left, there's another two people. Yeah, you don't, another two. You don't you get private. You feel like yeah, there's, there's not, not much intimate. privacy. No, there's not much. But I agree, food is spectacular. Tom, what are you? Um, so, I love Greek food. And uh, I love Greek food because um, I really enjoyed the cooking when I had when I was being brought up. And then, subsequently, I... Uh, and this is uh, no offence to, to to my wife. She's just um, um, she's good at a lot of other stuff, right? So, um, and this might be an edit point. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> she's, uh, so anyway, she let's move on. So Greek is not something that she. Have you got a restaurant? Like you got to give us a tip. Um, what is Sydney or Melbourne's best 
or anywhere's best Greek restaurant. Okay. Alpha, is that you like it there? Uh, Alpha, Alpha's very, al- yeah, I'd say Alpha. And yeah. there's a, and I haven't been there, but everyone keeps telling me a restaurant called 1821, yep. which is opposite the uh, Western uh, uh, Hotel um, in Pitt Street, is mm-hmm. it, Troy? Yeah. Okay. You've been there, Troy? Uh, no, I haven't, but I know where it is. 1821, no, 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 it, it is a quite, uh, the, the name of the restaurant, 1821, is a very symbolic date in Greek history to do with um, um, uh, the uh, war against the Turks. I've got to say, I do love Greek food. I don't have it very often because I actually think there's not that many Greek restaurants. But what I like about it is it's not only delicious, but it's generally very healthy. It is. It is. Um, uh, Italian food is kind of good, but it's got a lot of carbs, a lot more carbs, whereas Greek food tends to be more protein-based, I think. The other thing I love is Japanese, right? Yes. Japanese is. and, And it's not that easy to find a spectacular one, but Japanese is very good. Okay. So, you know, for the five listeners that are left now that are still listening yes. to oh. our restaurant review. So, again, quote, quote of the week. Quote of the week. Listen. So, John, you, you um, and I'm going to get you to say it so beautifully that you said it at the, um, before the podcast started. You've had two great quotes. Two, let's quote, go two over, quotes over this week. And, you know, let's just talk about quotes for one second. I love quotes because so many times you're in a space or you're under pressure or you're feeling down or you need to have something to just take you across the threshold and you think of a quote. So I think there's something more than just sits on a slide. And for me, they're often you know, a, a source of inspiration in a moment. And, and there was two that I heard this week. So one was, don't get ready, get started. And I love that because it talks to fast prototyping. A similar one I heard years ago was ready, fire, aim. But this is better, I think. Don't get ready, get started. Because until you get started, you actually don't know. And I think there's a nice balance between do a bit of work to make sure you start intelligently, but don't wait until you've perfected it because by then the you know the moment's lost. So I, I like that. Don't get ready, get started. And I've yeah. used that. I've only heard it two days ago. I've used it a few times since. Just when I typically might have said, okay, well, I'll plan that tonight and I'll do this. I say, no, damn it, just send an email or just pick up the phone and make the call. The second one, which I really like, it's a little bit more cryptic, but not much. It says, it, only, it was, it only takes a moment to create a moment. So you think about that. You know, when people say, you know, a moment to remember, yeah. it literally takes a moment. It yeah. kind of happens in an instance, and it could be a compliment. It could be just someone being kind. It could be, you know, you're, you're looking at someone that looks like they're from a foreign land. They've got a map upside down on the middle of Pitt Street, and you just walk up to them, and you turn the map and say, where are you off to? Can I help you? And you point them in the right direction. That's a moment. Someone in a, in a busy city who's got lost and is trying to get to an appointment, and you just help them takes you seconds and all of a sudden they feel supported and they're enjoying their experience yeah. of being in yeah. Australia. So I think in the world of real estate, it only takes a moment to create a moment. So with a vendor, with a purchaser, the landlord, tenant, just to make someone feel special doesn't take hours or cost thousands. It's something, an awareness thing, you have a radar on that says, you know, people I meet, I'd like them to feel special and feel good and it only takes a second. So I thought they were just two good quotes. Uh, John, I think the thing about quotes, and it's really interesting, like if, you ever, if you're ever speaking at a conference or if you're ever sitting as an attendee at a conference, whenever you hear the MC do a wrap-up of each speaker, you'll notice what they repeat is the quotes the speaker used. Yep. Because I think a quote is able to tell a thousand words in ten words. It, it's got this ability to... Um, to tell the point in a very efficient way, you know? Like, some of the quotes that um, I've heard... Actually, one of the quotes that 
I repeat over again, and I think that's come from you many years ago, is routine will set you free. Yep. Right? Routine will set you free. So that, that there basically says, if you've got process and habits, you'll have a better life, you'll have freedom to not have stress, and that's going to lead up to a conversation we're going to have in a moment about whether you can have a, a business that is actually fun and, and lucrative. Um, so, Tom, John, you said a great one at Eric too, because I've had, I reckon, half a dozen, maybe 10 people repeat it since then. And it was, you're better to over-invest 5,000 in marketing than under-invest 5,000. Over-investing 5,000 costs you 5,000. Yeah. Under-investing 5,000 could cost you 50. Yeah. And the number of people, both within McGrath and just in the whole real estate industry as we travel around, that have repeated that, and, and I often go to the point of, you know, what did you get from Eric? Who did you like the most? What do you remember? And I reckon I've heard more people say that. That, that quote and the other one, which was Tom Ferry's, or Pete Fooders, it's not time management, it's choice management. Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. probably two of the quotes that I think most people... Yeah, there's a light globe some moment and you hear something, you say, shit, that's profound, that's deep, that's going to work for me. That's just succinctly. So, uh, you know, well done on that. So, 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 John, I've got to say, on Peter um, Fuda, and we're going to move on in a moment on to talk about this term called ELF, which I think is going to be fantastic for our listeners to rate their business versus an ELF business. Um, John, I think the most used thing from ARIC 2018 is a question that Peter Fuda gave the audience, which is play a game that you can win yeah. and ask a question along the lines of this to your vendors at a listing presentation, and that is, Mr. and Mrs. Vendor, if you selected the perfect agent and the process went beautifully and you were happy with the outcome, can you describe what that would look like for you? brilliant and Tom the opposite which is he said described the majority of the industry and all industries I think he used the metaphor of running around in the fog holding a dart with your eyes closed trying to throw and hit a dartboard versus picking it up walking over to the ask the question and you just plant it right in the middle of the bullseye yeah and that's right people do listing presentations they embark on this long monologue of here's all the great reasons you should choose me. And the vendor's got a different question in their mind and they're thinking, they haven't even asked me what's important to me. Correct. What would it look like? What would it feel like? What are my priorities? What am I scared of? Is there anything that's keeping me up at night? There was, uh, there, he basically said, you were always going to lose that game. It was never a game you were going to win. You were yeah. playing a game that was always going to be losable. Troy, John, Elf. I was listening to a podcast, 10X, and they talked about the Elf principle. E standing for effortless, L standing for lucrative, and F standing for fun. And Sullivan said, I think you've got to aim to have a sustainable elf business. Do you think for our listeners out there, it is possible to have an elf real estate business? Well, for a start, I mean, what he said, Dan, Dan so I didn't hear it, Tom, but it's a great quote or mm. a great proposition. Um, Imagine every day for the rest of your life you turned up to a business that was effortless. And by the way, one of Peter Fooda's key principles is the law of least effort. So you've got two geniuses talking a similar language. Imagine if you turn up. And when I think, I reckon when they say, if we, if we unpack this a bit, Troy, effortless, lucrative, fun. So effortless, I don't think it actually means literally effortless. you don't work. Yeah. I think it means your work is frictionless and mm -hmm. you're in the zone. Because, you know, the three of us, like most of our listeners, we're happy to work 12 hours a day 
if we're being rewarded and it's fun and we, we're seeing results and we love the people we're with, we love the customers, I mean, that's, for me, that's effortless. So my view, and I, I don't want to put words in Dan Sullivan's mouth, but I would imagine he's talking about uh, effortless effort yeah. in the zone, um, lucrative, so that rewards you financially, it rewards you in other ways, and fun. So many times I think people do not enjoy what they do. So let's unpack that. So the first one, effortless. I think if you get to a point where you're living and working a life on purpose, that means you're telling your truth, you're working with people that you really like. So if you're a principal, you haven't hired, you know, I mean, I think you've talked about the no dickhead policy or, you know, Les Brown years ago used to talk about OQP, only quality people. So you've, you've created an internal culture of, of good people. You've let go of, or, or you've let let go of people that do business in a way that you don't want to. I was talking to one of um, my really star rising agents, our really star rising agents, on the way here, and she lost a listing, and the agent that won it did it at 1% and paid for marketing. And I said, well, you, know, you can't win them all, and I'm sure you did, blah, blah, blah. But I said to her at the end, you, know, you have to realise that there are plenty of amazing customers out there. You need to be focused on finding and working with those that there is a respect for each other, yeah. um, a view that you're each providing sort of value, yeah. and, and you know you don't want to feel from the get-go mm. that you're working in an environment, Troy, where they've screwed you down and you've got $5,000 at risk and you know, they've bullied you into certain things and they've given you a price that you don't think is achievable for me that's neither effortless or fun, and it certainly won't be rewarding. Yeah. So I, I do think, how do you create effortless? You, you know, you live on purpose, you tell the truth, you straight talk with people, you surround yourself with both customers, team members, colleagues, staff, if you're a principal, that you really respect and like. And for, I think, Troy, what are your thoughts? I mean, for me, that's kind of where effortless goes. And, and I don't mind working 14 hours a day in that environment is a pleasure. Yeah. I agree. And if you reverse it, if it's fun, it does become effortless because yep. you're enjoying what you're doing. You're happy to do 14, 15, 16 hours. And normally, in most scenarios, you get rewarded. So yeah. it does become lucrative. So whether you look at it top down or reverse it back, you still get to the same point of those three key things will make the biggest difference to having a focused business. I can't, Troy, I can't help but think that every client that I know that is towards an elf business mm -hmm. seems to be doing business with what I would call their ideal clients. Yep. And their ideal clients are clients that seem to have the following characteristics. They've received a fair fee, which is on John's point about feeling like this is fair for all parties. The second one is that they've received some vendor paid marketing which allows them to promote a property and not have their hands tied. The third thing is that they're realistic vendors and that they're motivated vendors and they got you know a good expectation on price and that generally speaking that they're nice people. So if you look at the opposite of that, if you've got someone at a low fee, no marketing, not motivated. Well what's worse is you're paying for the marketing. Well you're paying for it. You can see how it's not effortless. Mm. You can see how it becomes not fun. Almost as they're signing the agreement, you're regretting the decision yeah. to, to do business. So if we look at that, how do you get people, If you, I agree with you, Tom, your, your profile of the right customers, how do you do that? Num number one is you have to be bloody good at your job so you stand out 
as the best option. Um, and, there, and you also have to be comfortable in your own skin that you're adding value that exceeds the fee that you're about to ask. And if I say, you know, 2.5%, but I know the effort that I go to far outstrips anyone else and I know I'm going to get you 5 to 10% premium because I'm bloody good at what I do, then it's kind of easier. So you have to be comfortable in your own skin. The other thing, Tom, you have to be prepared to say no yeah. or walk away from business. And a lot of agents are not prepared to do that. They kind of feel that every piece of business is good business. I disagree with that. Mm. I think that the majority of business that you avail yourself to is good business. And, you know, you don't want to just walk away because someone says, oh, come on, you know, John, sure, you'll do it for a bit less. You know, you should be able to respond and banter and debate and get the right fee. But at sometimes, as I was saying to, to my colleague before, sometimes when you've done all that and you are adding great value and they still see someone else who's at the very much the lower end, you have to be comfortable walking away. One out of ten. Nine out of ten, you actually should be able to swing across and convince that you are the best. But just imagine, Troy, every day you went into the office, you looked at your listing sheet, and you looked at your computer screen, and every property was saleable, every property was being confidently marketed, every property had a price guide on it that was consistent with what you told them and what you think it's worth and what you've told the market. Um, it's kind of like a no-brainer. This is a fun job. Yeah. But if you go in there and you think, oh, my God, I, I paid 5000 to auction that and it passed in six weeks ago and my principal's on my back and the vendor was ringing me up complaining it hasn't sold. You know, you've, most stresses the agents feel in our industry are self-created. Mm. It's because they valued the property too high, they didn't ask for an appropriate marketing, they didn't have the courage to give the right feedback all along the way from the get-go right through to today. Mm-hmm. It was interesting, just slightly diverging, the other day I was at a coaching session internally and uh, it was out at, at one of our Western Sydney offices and, and they said... Uh, Oh, John, what would you do here? I've tried everything to sell this property. And I said, is that real? And he looked at me and said, what do you mean? I said, well, have you really tried everything? 100% everything. I said, great. And I went through six, seven, eight, nine, ten things. Hadn't done any of them. And I said, so reality is you can, you can have, you could have, and you can now do a lot of other things. Yeah. You know, is it, was it open last Saturday? Is it open next Saturday? Does it have a price guide on it? Have you gone to the local paper for PR? Um, you know, is it present? Have you taken everyone in the office through it? Have all your colleagues seen it? Um, have you had a face-to-face with the vendor to get the price alignment, the adjustment back to market? All of these things. There's generally five, ten, fifteen things you can do. So, I think for agents, we create a lot of our own pain. In fact, I'm sure we create the majority of our own pain because that client you can walk away from. The mm. client that says, "Well, you, if you pay me five grand." and do it for one or one and a half percent, I'll give you the business. You can say respectfully, I'll decline, but thank you for the offer. Yeah. What do you mean you decline? Don't you want to sell my house? I'd love to sell your house, but I've got terms and conditions that really work for me and my clients. Every client you see in the local paper or an REA, every one of those has agreed to what I think are very fair. I'm going to put the next 30, 60 days of my personal effort 24-7 into the sale of your property at total risk. If I don't get your price you're delighted with, I get zero. I'm prepared to take that risk but I'm not going to add a $5,000 check on top of that as well. And I think well, that's, that's a real story for me. Yeah. That's how I feel. Yeah. And, and you have to say, respectfully, I'll decline the offer, but thank you. I think a lot of it comes down to, I've just done a few notes here, and the process actually makes it effortless. 
So you yeah. know how you're saying, you know, we didn't have that 30 seconds of courage, we didn't follow the process, we didn't have the marketing conversation, we didn't do our vendor management every single week, we didn't do daily phone calls, we didn't do a weekly face-to-face, we didn't hold an expectations or set-to-sell meeting. All those things, again, create that head noise. So by having the analogy of the pilot's checklist for every single yeah, scenario... Yeah creates an effortless business. Because yeah. if the process is there, you can follow the process. I love that box. pilot's checklist time. You know, isn't it good? Just so know, the best pilots in the world have a 47-point checklist before they take off and a 32-point checklist when they land and a 28-point checklist when they're midstream. And if yeah. the weather changes, the checklist changes. Surgeons, so the best people. I'll give you some interesting uh, research on uh, planes and plane crashes. I was uh, <laughs> 75% of plane crashes. Get yep. ready for this happen when a crew is flying together for the first time. time. Mm -hmm. And what they have found is that even a crew that is sleep deprived but very experienced with working with with each other have a higher success rate than a crew that has slept well but are working together for the first time. So it appears that having stability of a team where, and I see this happening with real estate agents when they change four PAs in three months. Mm -hmm. And basically what happens, it appears that if someone's been working together for a while, they begin to learn how to complement each other. They begin to have intuition. They begin to understand what this person's really Mm. sort of thinking. So um, 100%, Troy, I've got to say, you pretty much did sum it up there where you've said, if you've got clear processes, chances are you're going to have less stress. Less stress, you're going to end up having more fun. You're going to have a uh, more efficiency, mm-hmm. and um, you're going to end up probably making more money. So um, I love the concept of it is possible. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of people out there would think, and I hear a lot. Tom, you hear a lot. So you train coaching. I heard the other day. So, you know, they said, "Well, I kind of things are going well. I don't want to stress myself by two xing." So the assumption, more in right. mind, if you will, was two xing. If you actually put in place the processes and the training and the disciplines that it takes, you can handle 10, 20, 30 properties, all seamlessly, fun, but you've got to have a process. And that's the problem is the discipline. You know, routine sets you free. Discipline equals freedom. So, uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, it is exciting times out there because all these, you know, the people at ARIC, and I know it's a few weeks ago now, but there are so many living examples of people that have just taken their, their business to a whole new level. So everyone that's listening, I mean, I think we've got about 10,000 listeners now, um, everyone that's listening must be inspired by the fact that this is a time where real estate, you can leverage technology, you can leverage the marketing platforms like REA and, yeah. and other social media platforms, and you can achieve things that, that never a generation before, half a generation before, could never even think of. But you've got to be prepared to embrace the change. So, yeah. yeah. I think Elf is possible. Elf is definitely possible. I was going to say, only this morning we were sharing the story about, John, one of your first sales when there was no mobile phones, or the mobile phones were the size of briefcases and there was no such thing as the internet and there was no REA and those types of things. Database was three by five cards. Yeah. Database. Yeah. So, Which were cool, by the way. It wasn't an excuse, it was all you knew, so you just used them, it was fun. Yeah. But it was yeah. possible then, now you add in the technology platforms, the lessons, the learnings, the processes, the checklists that you can grab from anywhere uh, on your gym, Tom, it really starts to show what is possible for anyone out there that makes the decision and makes the choice to go to the next level. 
exciting exciting times. I think uh, you can become a, an attraction agent in the fraction of the time it used to take uh, years ago. So guys, I'm really uh, happy to, this was, I enjoyed this podcast, I really enjoyed it. And I'm gonna finish off on a, on a quote since we finished on technology. And I think this is again from a presentation. You used this quote maybe for about two years, John. If you don't like change, you'll hate extinction. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah, it was by General Eric Shinziki, and he said, if you don't like change, you're going to like ex- extinction even less. Right. And, you know, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it's real. And people that are sitting out there that are not embracing social media, technology, databases, the sort of training that, you know, your gym and, and hopefully we're offering... Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a good one. But be, before we do finish, uh, we haven't had a check-in about the NRL table for a little while, so we should just we make go. sure. Okay. Everyone's on. No, look, I'm not even sure. I haven't, I haven't noticed where so, it's at, but I think so, so I think, I think the top eight, at least. Look, let's call a spade a spade. John, you have checked the NRL ladder. You're very aware of what's been happening, and you've been pretty excited because the other week you said to me, I'm really looking forward to it's a nice cold night. Nothing's better than sitting at home in the, in the warmth of your you know, home watching the South Sydney. So you've been watching every game. You probably look at the ladder every day. They're doing well, Troy. Um, how are the Roosters going? Mate, they're doing very well as what, well. What are they counting? Number, they're, uh, they're in the top four, the Roosters? Top four, I think they're just outside the top four. Right. Fifth. Well, Fifth. And I've bad. just pulled up the AFL ladder as well. We, we won't mention the Tigers, Tom. Yeah, so... <laughs> we. Well, look. The, the funny, Tigers were on a roll early on. What, something's happened. Yeah. They'll get back, but I mean, Ivan Cleary is such a good coach, he'll get them back on track, but they've just lost... It is interesting. You know, you can be on a roll in momentum and then something happens, you lose a bit of belief as an individual, as a team, and then, yeah, it is an interesting... They're a class family, the Cleary family. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know them. All I know is that Ivan Cleary's daughter saw me at a real estate seminar, came up and said, hi, I'm such and such, I know that you love the West Tigers, one of my colleagues told me, nice. and she was very calm. And Indy. then I asked her... Her name's Indy. In Indy? Yeah. Okay. She works out in the Blue Mountains or out west, maybe towards Penrith, I think. In real estate? Yeah, yeah in real estate. Well, Beck used to work. Uh, uh, Beck yeah. used to work with us years yeah. ago. Yeah. They're, they're so, sorry, who's, who's Beck? Uh, Ivan's wife. Ivan's wife. Oh, right. So, okay. And uh, I asked her, I said, um, is, is your dad as calm as he is on TV at home? And she said, I've never seen him uh, lose it in all the years I've been living. And his son is a, is a fantastic kid too. Well, um, he's probably the most talented young player in the whole competition, truth be known. Yeah. When you, when you look at where he's at in his stage of life and, and, and inexperience at the top level and yet what he's playing, is outstanding. So that, yeah, they'll pick back New up. New South Wales will win on Sunday night, John? Well, you, 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 the only logical answer is yes, because they won, they won away from their home ground pretty convincingly, and then now they come back to their home ground. But anything can happen. So Queensland can turn up hungrier than New South Wales, and the tables can be turned. Yeah. Uh, yeah, New South Wales. I, I think the team performance and the motivation is there this year. Interesting story, my cousins grew up across the road from Rebecca Cleary, which was Josh Stewart. Uh, Rebecca is Josh Stewart's sister, and Josh used to play for the Northern Eagles, and they grew up on the Northern Beaches. My auntie and uncle lived across the road, so I've known that family for actually a long period of time, and it's representation, I think, of the entire family. The entire family is very, very genuine. They're authentic. And they generally care about everyone. So I think what, the, what you people. see in the public eye is exactly what you see uh, at home. As okay. Well. So Troy, as we finish off, I want to confirm that uh, tonight, Australia, 
at 10 o'clock, because this podcast is going uh, live today, mm-hmm. at 10 o'clock tonight, Australia is playing Denmark Soccer. in the World Cup. 10 p.m. At 10 p.m. Wow. So tune in. This is probably... You're going to go to bed and wake up early. <laughs> <laughs> so... so <laughs> That's not funny. I remember, I, remember, I remember John once at a restaurant in Noosa said uh, it was 6 o'clock. He goes, let's not make it a late one. We'll just go straight to main courses. That was at 6 p.m. That's right. That's <laughs> you remember right. that, John? I do remember. All righty. So, gang, go the Socceroos. Go the, go the Blues. Go the Swans. Go the Melbourne teams. And, and thank most, you to REA, of course. And thank you to REA. Guys and girls, we will speak to you next week. Have a great week. See you. See you, guys.